Hi, I'm Michelle Abad. Welcome to Making Space, Rappler's podcast on gender, health, education, and everything in between. With the Philippine health system overwhelmed by the ongoing pandemic, are there enough resources to cater to non-coronavirus concerns? One pressing concern is the maintenance of women's reproductive health. The government considers pregnant women as one of the groups most vulnerable to the novel coronavirus. Yet, there have been reports that medical facilities refused them admission during the pandemic, with public transportation suspended during the lockdown. Poor pregnant women who are due to deliver are sometimes forced to walk to hospitals while undergoing labor. Today, we are discussing this and other reproductive health concerns during the community quarantine. Joining us is Maravik Bing Parkon, Executive Director of the Women's Global Network for Reproductive Rights. Welcome, Ms. Bing. Thank you for joining me. Thank you, Michelle. Good morning. Good morning. So let's, let's go right into it, no? So during the coronavirus lockdown in the Philippines, what are the most pressing concerns that you've observed when it comes to reproductive health and related services? Yeah, um, not only in the Philippines, I would say. So across the world, this pandemic directly impacts women and girls, as you already mentioned in your intro, access to sexual and reproductive health services. So health of women generally is adversely impacted through reallocation of resources and priorities, including resources for SRH services. So in the country, like in many other disasters, devastating disasters that hit the Philippines, this emergency situation affects, directly affects women, girls, boys differently. But as we notice, uh, the pressing issues would be violence against women and girls, including, you know, what happened? The data just yesterday, PNP showed that 602 people or eight people are raped each day across the country during the lockdown period in March 17 to May 23. Mm -mm. So it only really shows us that disasters such as these, I would actually also say that this pandemic is a disaster, tend to exacerbate pre-existing vulnerabilities and patterns of discrimination. Mm -hmm. So... And the, 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 there are already online reporting systems in place of, or GBB. Per this lockdown period, however, we know that there are people living in vulnerable conditions that may not be able to access those services because of many other factors. Wala silang load, they could not, you know, they, ha they don't have access to even telephone and they live remotely, those kinds of things. Mm. And as experienced uh, with previous epidemics, the, uh, that emergency and outbreaks have gendered impacts. No, mm -hmm. the, um, women face threats of sexual and other forms of violence, as I've already mentioned. And having to stay at home actually during the lockdown means, for example, if you are in an abusive relationship, it also means that you're imprisoned with your abuser. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and more than that, I'm talking only in one aspect because you are actually asking me, no? In one aspect, which is the GBV, which directly also related to SRHR. Mm -hmm. And talking about the SRH services with health systems and providers diverted to help, to help address the pandemic. And there's really, of course, disrupting, disruption of supply chain. There may be shortage of service providers and commodities. Already, Popcom have, ano eh, cited this, that there are already uh, um, shortage of commodities during this lockdown period. 
-hmm. And clinics providing SRH services, including post-abortion care, may not be available to women. And, uh, and these are unreported cases. I don't know what's going on when it comes to unsafe abortion uh, mm -hmm. um, incidents right now because these are not reported. Mm -hmm. And there's also delays in services now that it goes beyond permissible legal limits under our laws in the Philippines. Pero because of this pandemic, it, it is happening. And we've seen this already, mm -hmm. the, the prioritization of SRH services. And this has happened to Catherine Bulatao in April, mm -hmm. and uh, who suffered from complications after giving birth from uh, at home because she, she feared of the coronavirus. So she opted to give birth at home, but then, but then there was a complication. And then she was refused by five hospitals. And then the sixth hospital, at the sixth hospital, she was already, she already died. Yeah. And then not only that, there was Catherine in April. And then another, also in April, Mary Jane Apalde, who also died during labor mm -hmm. after she was turned down earlier by four other facilities. And then another, Nancy, a resident in Laguna who was refused by three hospitals before being admitted and successfully delivered her baby in the fourth facility. So these kinds of things, and these are actually urgent and emergency obstetric care that women has to access. These are guaranteed by our laws. But then because of the prioritization of, of SRH services and everything actually diverted into, into this uh, uh, pandemic res response, women are you know, directly impacted and not only, not only in a, in a minor uh, impacts, but it already cost life of one woman. And one is too many for us. I mean, like, we, all, we always say this, that one is too many when it comes to preventable death. You mentioned that there's a deprioritization of this issue, even in this pandemic, when in fact it's quite ironic because even though this pandemic is centered on health, this is another aspect of health that shouldn't be forgotten. So... What are the laws and policies, you mentioned there were laws, that are supposed to ensure that reproductive health services are available even in a crisis situation like this? Are they enough? And if not, where are the gaps in their implementation, especially now? We have a lot of laws, actually. We, the Philippines have a myriad of laws, including anti-hospital deposit law, uh, the one that happened to Catherine when she was refused because she doesn't have money to deposit, uh, 30,000 pesos to deposit. And we have this anti-hospital deposit law. We have Magna Carta for Women. We have the uh, RPRH law, the Rep Responsible Parenthood and Reproductive Health Act. We have these laws that, you know, uh, guarantees the, the fundamental rights of women. And that's also being guaranteed under our mother law, which is our constitution. Mm -hmm. And... The Philippines is also, you know, um, signatory to all other human rights treaties and obligations that guarantees women's right to life, health, and, and equality and non-discrimination. And we also have report, um, RA 10821 or the Children's Emergency Relief Protection Act. And that mandates for immediate delivery of basic necessities and services during a disaster. So in, the law actually also says that there, there, should be, there shall be 
priority to the specific health and nutrition needs of pregnant women, lactating mothers and newborn babies, and children under five, and, and children with special needs during emergency situations. Mm -hmm. So we have a lot of loss. So what is the gap then? Mm -hmm. This current pandemic and all other, like I, I'm also say, I, I've been you know, uh, saying this over and over, that in many other disasters that hit in the Philippines, we've seen how women's SRH have been you know, neglected during Haiyan. We've seen how trafficking has planted during, during typhoons. And we also have seen the spike of teenage pregnancies mm -hmm. and unwanted pregnancies during many other disasters. And like in that, in that context, and that is where we're at now. This current pandemic constrains the resources. And, and that's why they are justifying this refusal. The justification of, you know, we, don't, we no longer have the resources. We no longer have PPEs. We no longer have service providers. And these are justification of these re refusals. We have laws. We can actually, they can be sued. But then, of course, because of the, the lack of resources during this, this period, there's that deprioritization. And, and it's, as always, women are deprioritized during this period because what is the priority is that those who are already in the hospital right now fighting for their lives for, uh, due to coronavirus. And this is not something like you, you choose between apples and apples. The only problem is that we lack the facilities. Mm -hmm. So since this is really a matter of life and death, now, reproductive health, sometimes it can be overlooked as simply birth control or promiscuous women who are trying to um, have sex as much as they want. But it's not as simple as that. This is really a matter of life and death. And so another, uh, what, what they really think as a life, matter of life and death is really the pandemic in itself. No, they, the coronavirus has claimed hundreds of lives in the Philippines. And now mm -hmm. we're dealing with, um, even if you're only aware of one death, see Catherine, no, just one death. Mm -hmm. right now but one is already too many as you said so now we're dealing with the possibility of mothers dying because hospitals ref reportedly refuse to admit them so how should the government address this the government should actually be aware well they are aware i i suppose the government should ensure that in responding to this pandemic reproductive health facilities are still able to operate and continue providing essential services and this shouldn't be neglected and this shouldn't be you know a uh, brush off and and you know it's just one person anyways there should be the resources and we have a lot of resources we've seen this in 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 the report that there there's already that uh, 275 billion allocated there are already loans uh, uh being being you know applied for by the government for, for this pandemic, there's a lot of resources for the coronavirus response. And for this, it should be comprehensively addressed. Everything should be, you know, should be addressed during this period. Not only SRH, not only uh, this, this issue, but comprehensively. What are other gamut of issues actually uh, relating to this, to this uh, pandemic? A lot. And, and what we are also saying uh, at WGNR is that central to any other, you know, responses during this lockdown period and this pandemic is that ensuring that sexual and reproductive health services and, and sexual 
and reproductive health and rights of women and for all is actually ensured. Because if not, then your intervention is just not effective because you're only adding numbers to what, what we already, you know, lost. And, and that, that's very dangerous because when you are only looking at one thing and neglecting many other things and not looking into, into the response in a comprehensive manner, then you are also neglecting millions of your population. Yeah, definitely. Because even though even though we have a coronavirus pandemic, these concerns still still are ongoing. The same way how we were talking about earlier off off record that um, there are still you know cases of violence against women um, in households where they're stuck with their abusers. The same thing here that reproductive health still goes on. The issues with reproductive health still goes on even during this pandemic. And so uh, the way that the government should be addressing this concern shouldn't be just single faceted. Definitely there should be a lot of comprehensive action being going on. So another reproductive health concern that we talked about earlier is really access to birth control. So how difficult has it been for women during the pandemic? I mentioned earlier that the Commission on Population and Development or POPCOM have already um, you know, um, mentioned this in their, in their press release that the family planning services were reduced over 50% in March when the lockdown was declared in, in Metro Manila. Yeah. And the suspension of public transportation, limit, limited clinic staff, as I've already mentioned earlier, and reduced clinic hours made it very difficult for women to access comprehensive, com- comprehensive family planning services. And I've also had a conversation earlier before this, before this conversation is that what I'm looking at is really after this uh, lockdown, people, be, we really are looking at having unintended pregnancies, unwanted pregnancies during this period, not only because of the, you know, of uh, sexual violence happening, but because during this period, people have this, you know, comfort-seeking behavior. So with that, there should be access to comprehensive family planning services. Mm -hmm. There should be contraception commodities, contraceptives everywhere, in the barangay, we've been saying this, that the, you know, the package that households should get from the barangay should also include family planning commodities or contraceptives. For example, barangay have the list of, of uh, women who access clinics and they know what are the, what are the you know, services that they're accessing. So it's just a matter of reaching out to these women and, you know, continuing the services if they're into pills, if they're into, you know, and what are other commodities that are available for, for them. It should be av- made available because they've, they've been bringing all those packages at, at, to, to household. Like, for example, we, we receive a lot of sardinas every, I don't know, every three weeks. Mm-hmm. So it should be, you know, that whole thinking that, this concern should, should also be part of the intervention. Mm-hmm. The, the very thing that people actually need during this pandemic because we don't have facilities, we don't have um, services, we don't have work. We know for a fact that, yes, it's true that the, first, the very first thing that you have to ensure is food. And the next is also ensuring that all the uh, reproductive health services are still in place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like I said, it's not only about the prevalence of um, sexual violence during this period. It's just a human nature that 
during this in any other you know uh, disaster and any other situation that can cause panic to people people also seek you know what is you know what is comfortable what makes them mm-hmm. comfortable and sex yeah. can 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 make a lot of people comfortable yeah during this period and and without having access to condoms to to uh, pills to injectables and many other commodities this can also you know cause another trouble for us in the next few months mm-hmm. and actually maybe perhaps uh, the the non-motivation i would say of in, including contraceptives in say relief goods it still might be intertwined with the usual culture that we have of the stigma against sex no parang baka si iniisip ng mga um, barangay officials na why should you be having sex like hello we're in a we're in a crisis situation here so mm-hmm. why would i give you this like i would rather give you the basic needs that you need just, you know you, you don't need to have sex you just need to eat so may baka may <laughs> mindset for for some barangay officials but you know for for people who have been locked down under months and we don't know how long exactly this is going to be divides it's another need that also needs to be uh, not overlooked so moving to the international setting uh, there was recent news you know that uh, USAID called on the United Nations to remove references to sexual and reproductive health from the UN COVID-19 humanitarian response plan. So can you tell me more about this and what would it mean for the Philippines? Well, this is actually a very concerning one because we know how it is in the United States right now. United States have already hit 100,000 deaths due to coronavirus. And they've had uh, the global gag rule, you know, the global gag rule against uh, abortion and even the mere mention of abortion in in uh, USAID projects, right? Anything that have uh, funds coming from USAID should not be doing, should not for abortion services or not even sheer mention of abortion and abortion rights in their advocacy and in intervention. Mm-hmm. So this is actually, this attempt by the US is not only targeting abortion in itself, but broadening that, which means that all reference to sexual and reproductive health from the UN COVID-19 humanitarian response, should, it shouldn't be there. I mean, SRH should not be part of all these humanitarian response. It shouldn't be, it should be silent around that. So what we actually say is that uh, the acting USAID administrator, Jan Barsa, sent a letter to the uh, UN Secretary General, Antonio Gutierrez, demanding that the UN remove reference to SRH from HRP. And this letter actually is for us is something very, very opportunistic during this pandemic when a very powerful country with that you know uh, sitting administration right now that is right-wing that is anti-women mm-hmm. tried to have that rollback on women's rights during this very very difficult period so you think and, it's politically um, motivated it is politically motivated mm-hmm. it is brought about by this trump administration for you know uh, this this uh, white supremacist that there shouldn't be concept around bodily autonomy. There shouldn't be concept around women's rights and women's rights to access her full potential. And that includes her basic SRH services. And this, and this letter by Barsa actually is, is it's 
It's, a, it's an attack to sexual and reproductive rights. And well, we affirm the United Nations position that the access to comprehensive SRH services must be prioritized and essential. Like I said earlier, any, any intervention during uh, this period that, has, that would not include SRH services and information is bound to fail. And because, of course, I mean, there's already that numerous countries all over the world demanding for services to continue, not only coming from the women, not only coming from, you know, from the communities, but globally, there is already that demand that SRH services should continue even during this this pandemic. People don't stop having sex and women doesn't actually stop having to exercise her her bodily autonomy and and mm-hmm. and, and uh, reproductive freedom during this period nobody has to stop exercising their rights during this period except of course we're not going to, to get out in the in public and have a party because that also would would endanger other people mm-hmm. but the the point is our srh should shouldn't be you know should not stop during this period and every and, and every intervention that lacks this recognition is bound to fail. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so WGNR condemns this. And, and we also are, uh, you know, are one in the many other feminist organizations worldwide that signed a letter to affirming the, the decision of the Secretary General to continue having referencing to what we already work hard for at the UN level. Mm-hmm. SRH, I mean, the, the mere mention of sexual and reproductive health in any, you know, ne- UN negotiations and UN conferences have been a battle. It's not as easy as, you know, just having a statement referencing that. It's always been a negotiated language. So we've fought hard for this and we are not in any way going to back down and say it's all right because we are in a, in a pandemic anyway. So maybe to wrap things up, what are some concrete steps that uh, your organization recommends that the Philippine government take to better deliver reproductive health services while still battling the coronavirus? Uh, we have a statement in April ensuring the essential you know, uh, SRH services during this lockdown period. What we are demanding for is that there should be clear mechanisms on the availability, accessibility, acceptability, and quality uh, reproductive health information and services during this period. So what we are actually really uh, trying to say is that we are urging the government to comply with the minimum essential package for reproductive health, which should include obstetric, prenatal, and postnatal care, contraceptive information and services, including con- emergency contraception and post-abortion care and post-rape care. Mm-hmm. And these are guaranteed. These are already guaranteed. In our, in our laws. And there should be appropriate and adequate funding for the continuation of essential RH, uh, SRH services to ensure that services remain, that these services remain affordable for, for all, particularly among poor, disadvantaged women. And uh, facilities should, you know, continue to operate. And uh, there's also should be dissemination of, of up-to-date information on continued availability of uh, SRH services. So what are those types of services are available, where to avail them, and to ensure that women and girls are able to have to make 
informed decisions about their health and well-being. And these, uh, well, there are already efforts, you know, but I know PCW is also having some efforts around reporting and also CS, uh, uh, CHR is also, um, you know, they also have this platform to report GVV. Mm-hmm. But what we also need is that there should be that comprehensive information, a one-stop shop, where to get available services, SRH services during this period. And we've tried putting this together with all other, uh, our partners, and uh, we will also, you know, um, there's not a lot, of, a lot of clinics that are open at this period. We're trying to put out that data so that women are able to access them. And the only thing that is actually problematic at this period, because everything is online, yeah. Everything is put out online, all those data, all those information. But then again, not everyone can access those information like I've already mentioned earlier because of all other factors. Yes. Yeah. Um, and uh, one of the things that we also say is that there should, you know, the supplies of and access to essential and life-saving medicines that are pro- provided under WHO list of essential medicines should, should still be in place. Because what happened to what will happen to other women who needs, for example, who are already profusely bleeding but do not have access to to postpartum hemorrhage care mm-hmm. and medicines that are you know necessary for that and all other demands that are actually uh, we put out on our website like uh, guarantee quality, respectful maternal health care to ensure freedom from abuse, discrimination, coercion, and and violence. The monitoring of provision and utilization of essential RH, SRH services, including the documentation of case of delays and, and, and outright denials. And who actually are doing this? I know CHR is doing this, but there's not a lot of, you know, proactive work around this. Like that kind of monitoring. Definitely reproductive health to begin with as an issue in the Philippines has always been quite a challenge for many, many groups such as yourselves because, you know, it's not as simple as other advocacies for women. Uh, this is something that's very tricky and something that definitely needs to be given more attention, especially now in this crisis. So thank mm-hmm. you for joining us today, Ms. Bing, of the Women's, Women's Global Women. Network for Reproductive Rights. Yes, thank you yeah. for joining us. Maraming salamat. And thank you to our listeners for tuning in. If you have topic suggestions that fall under gender, health, education, social welfare, and other related fields, send us an email at info at rappler.com or desk at rappler.com. Again, I'm Michelle Abad, and this has been Rappler's Making Space. Cool.